A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Dan here from the Square Ball. Phil Hay from the Athletic. As we do our early week catch up, uh, it's brought to you with West Yorkshire Electrical as this show. Uh, specialists in all things electrical. If it's got wires in it, they will work with it. Um, and they sponsored the Revy, Wilco and Bielsa mural in Geisley, which you've read about the murals, haven't you? You're a big fan of that one. I did. I went up to that one. I went around all of them. I did the, the mural tour a little while ago because the Sports Trust have had that set up for quite a while. A, a nice map where you can follow them around. And it is a cracking mural, that one. It's really nicely done. It is a good one. Um, West Yorkshire Electrical, big Leeds fans. Fully accredited, massive range of services for your home and your business, including uh, because they specialise in renewable technologies. You've got solar panel installation for home and business. There's an 0% VAT government offer, I believe, on at the moment at the time of recording. Battery storage, which hooks up to your, to your solar panels. Electrical vehicle charging as well. And loads of other stuff. CCTV, LED lighting for, for your business. I mean, you'll need some lights in your new kitchen fit out, Phil. How is that going? Hasn't started yet. Three weeks to go. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope there'll be some lights in it for the for the money that's getting paid, yes. Yeah, well, if there are no lights in it and you find yourself like, oh, we've forgotten something in the dark and the money's run out, finance available for work on your home or your business, covering the whole of Yorkshire and beyond West Yorkshire Electrical. wyelectrical.co.uk for details or search West Yorkshire Electrical on your socials. Great week in the uh, in the world of Leeds United, wasn't it, this one? And I, I never got my 20-minute message, by the way. You promised me on the show before the weekend that you would message me on bang on 20 minutes 3.35pm on Saturday, Phil. Where was my 20-minute message? With I, put yes. a wink, I wasn't being aggressive. I put a winky face. No, no, no. It wasn't like passive-aggressive, um, hello. But the, the point of that was that we said and we reckoned that we would know after about 20 minutes where um, the game was going to go, how it was shaping up. Um, what did I say? Uh, you said, and I quote, this is Chef Wed all over again, except Leeds will find a way through this time. And I agreed, uh, we're miles better than just about everyone in this division. And though it came to pass, which it felt like it was going to, I think the Sheffield Wednesday game seemed to, and particularly in the second half, it just seemed to get stuck in a cycle of not really going anywhere and and neither side really having the, the wit to make it happen. Um, you felt after half time against Wednesday that the best of Leeds chances had probably gone and, and might not come again. But it just didn't feel like that against Watford. I mean, they were, they were so ridiculously dominant, dominant against Watford that... We were having a laugh at the, the XG at half-time, which I know not everybody believes in, but it was standing at 0.01 for Watford. And whether you believe in XG or not, that tells you that they were absolutely nowhere near Ilan Melier. And they, at half-time, they, they had a, a shot on target registered. And we were all sitting amongst ourselves saying, what was that? Like what? And somebody said eventually, oh, that was the attempt of the lob from about 45 yards out that, that almost hit the corner flag. And that was how it was. And, I have to say, when, when Ishmael came into the press conference afterwards, the first thing he said was, Leeds totally deserved that today. You know, no argument with the result at all. We didn't play well enough. He thought that actually in the second half, 
they've been structured slightly better um, than they had been before half time, but it didn't make any difference. And I I just had the feeling on Saturday that although the, it was kind of shaping up to be the Sheffield Wednesday game on repeat, I thought it would be different because it did feel as if Leeds were actually creating some really good chances, like the, the threat was constant and that they would get there in the end. And everything about, I, I thought everybody played well on Saturday. I thought some players played exceptionally well. Ruter seemed to move into cheat code territory, which we've all been waiting for him to do. It's not that we haven't seen little bits from him or, you know, good finishes so far this season, bits of good play. I, I think he's been impressive generally without necessarily being totally clinical. But that was different level. And we've been talking, you and I and, and Michael, about how across the championship there is this really even standard and how there aren't that many players jumping out from your know, teams that Leeds are playing against where you think it'd be nice to have them in, in the squad. But Ruta just looked on a completely different level to everybody else. And, and that promises to be a big trick up, up Farker's sleeve. But Byron getting his goal, Piro scoring again, just leads, you know, being in control of that game all the, the way through. And there was a, a bit of a kind of book the open top bus feel at the end of the game, I thought. I was looking at the stands at how many people stayed behind afterwards. And it's not as if Ellen Road just empties straight away when, when a game finishes. But there are a hell of a lot of people who who did stay there. And I think that was because a, they, they appreciated the quality of the performance. And I do think it was a very, very high-level performance, that one from Leeds. But I think they also appreciated the, the opportunity to have had a day that was fun and was enjoyable and that they warmed to football that they liked, football that they, they felt that they could believe in. Because it has been a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I um, I missed the Forest game. I was away for that one when we beat Forest in, well, whatever month it was. Prior to that, I think it would have been February Southampton was the last home win that I saw. And before that, Bournemouth in November. So in the last year or something, I've seen two home wins at Ellen Road. It's It's been fairly fairly slim pickings, hasn't it? But I mean, you say that was a, a very high level performance. Would you describe it as the most complete performance of the season? I'd say so, 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 so far. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely would. And Farkas said that afterwards as well. See, I don't even think with the, the Forest and Southampton games, it's, it's purely about how few home wins Leeds have had at Ellen Road. It's more about the ability to believe in something. And and it's great. We decided to write about Byram over the weekend because it was a cracking header. It's a really good story, actually, Byram's, you know, from the starting point of him, this unknown kid playing in a pre-season friendly at Farsley, who, who Neil Warner didn't even really seem to, to know much about him or, or who he was, to breaking through and winning club's player of the year award, in his first season and then through the, the injury problems he's had um, since you know he left Leeds and, and everything else and coming back this summer and, and having that moment. But I was writing about the, the point where he left Leeds and when Leeds decided to sell him to West Ham and, and the crux of the problem was that his contract was running out. He'd been offered a new deal by Massimo Cellino but at the time Cellino was hell-bent on cutting the wage bill down at Ellen Road. So the deal that was put forward to buy him amounted to a wage cut. You know, so you were, you were saying to one of your most talented youngsters, most talented academy products, we'd like you to stay, but we'd like you to earn less money as a result. So needless to say, Byron decided to move on and, and was sold to, to West Ham. But what it made me realise was that back then, and particularly because there's no bad blood with Byron, I think people seem to really understand that he had his reasons and those reasons were probably justified. You know, that the, the attempt to extend this deal was a bit of a shambles. And if anything helped to push him out the door. It just wasn't a club back then, Leeds, that you could really believe in. 
you know, it wasn't a club that you could say to players, this is the right place for you and, and good things are going to happen here. Because there was nothing to suggest that that, that was actually going to be the case. You know, those were the days when, you know, one group of supporters were carrying a coffin round to the stand, you know, to kind of signify the the pending death of the club or, or the death of its, its ethos. And, you know, th- there was just a lot of disillusionment. And I, I can totally understand if that was the case in the dressing room as well. And, and, you know, we had that feeling with a lot of the football last season, but it was different on Saturday because that's a performance that made you think this is a this is a genuinely, genuinely good team with a genuinely good coach and something good could be building here, really could be. And I think that's why the stands were so full afterwards because everybody just had that little buzz of thinking this is this is really promising. I really understand what they mean when people say that there is a, a relegation hangover because it's kind of been weighing on leads across the summer, the anxiety attached to it, all the churn in the playing squad. And it went all the way to the end of the window, which obviously closed now. It's sort of three and a half weeks ago, isn't it? And it, I don't think it's any coincidence that now the window's closed and we know what we've got, that we're now starting to feel a little bit more settled and everybody's not quite as quite as antsy. It seems to be that you're, you're finding a club and a team and players that are just kind of finding themselves almost again, like everybody's sort of emerging from the darkness of relegation and seeing what is actually in front of us and what we're capable of. Parker said that though, didn't he? He he was saying through August, I will actually be really happy when the transfer window closes. And Leeds were in that weird position where the transfer window was driving them mad because it was causing them problems with what they had internally. You know, they had so many players who were trying to go, so many players that they couldn't stop leaving, some like Nonto who had no right or option to go, but was trying to, to force his way out anyway. But at the same time, they didn't have a strong enough squad. You know, I, I again, I was saying about the Byram signing, when he joined, rejoined the club, there's kind of this feeling of indifference about it. It wasn't as if it was kind of roundly criticised, but I think, I think people were indifferent because the squad was so far from being strong enough at the time. There was so much else that needed to be done. And with Byram, you knew that at full tilt, he'd be a really good player, but he'd had a lot of injuries. He hadn't played a huge amount over the previous three years. And it did beg the question of, is this a, a sensible move? And I think more to the point, that that feeling of, well, this on its own isn't going to make any difference to us. Actually, it turns out that it might make a massive difference because he's looking like an incredibly competent left back. But the point I'm making was that you still needed Pirro, you still needed Kamara, who I thought had a terrific debut on Saturday. You still needed the additions to the squad that were going to make them strong enough to compete, particularly in attack. And, you know, so yes, the window needed to be open for long enough to leads to get that right. But Farker equally needed the line to be drawn so that he could say, this is what I've got. This is what we're kind of moving forward with. There's a bit of certainty and a bit of stability at last. And you can't deny, I don't think, looking back now, that it's helped massively to sort of purge the dressing room of people who didn't want to be there. You know, the frustration over Sinistera, the way he left and everything else, you looking at Anthony so far and, and particularly on Saturday and thinking, well, it's not a bad like-for-like swap. And actually, on, on two counts, this could be beneficial for Leeds. Firstly, that you have a player who actually wants to be at the club as opposed to Sinistera who clearly wanted to go. But also... Anthony may be fit for more of the season than Sinistera. We'll, we'll see how that goes. He might actually be a, a more usable asset. But there is another aspect to this as well, which is that once you start winning games, the mood and the feeling around the place, particularly when you're winning like they did against Watford, the, the mood does change. You feel it when you go up to the training ground. You feel it when you speak to players and coaches coaches and, and everybody else. There is just that different buzz. And 
I was asking Fark after the game on Saturday, because he mentioned Pookie at Norwich briefly. And I sort of said to him, surely it helps the rest of the dressing room to have somebody like Piro there, who is a 20-goal striker and who you can actually count on to score you the goals. And yes, you know, great to have somebody like Ruter as well, who's doing who's playing like he plays and is able to to do the tricks that he does and, and show the level of skill that he does. But even just, you know, at a basic level, having a striker that you know is going to put chances away must make a huge difference in the same way as that growing feeling that you're actually a really good team does help you. It definitely does. Piro had a, um, an almost ordinary game up to a point, didn't he, of, of the scoring? I thought he just kind of, he was there, but didn't make a huge impression. And I came to realise over watching him over the duration of this game, this is what he's going to do. He's just going to be there. He's going to link up. He's going to be tidy. He'll just keep popping up with goals. Very good. And what you were talking about there, Phil, actually, players who um, who want to leave. We've signed up Gatano Baradi as a columnist for us in the in the magazine, in the fanzine for this season. And he's touched on this, actually, in his column. And he said, and I quote, if a player wants to leave Leeds United, then the best thing for the club is to let them go. You need to have players with the right mentality. But as a player, you have to respect the club that's paying you. Sometimes a player can have the right reasons for wanting to leave. But in many cases, the players are just crying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was it. Was very much the Bielsa mantra of, if you're going, you're going. You know, I, the the situation that always jumps out when I think about this is the one with Samu Sayers in Bielsa's first season. The Sayers was on his day was you know, had immense quality and could dictate games. Um, really, real sort of driving force in that advanced midfield position. But he was a little bit in and out as well. And you could tell from the fact that, that he did drop to the bench eventually that he wasn't somebody that Bielsa necessarily felt he could count on religiously for, for 46 games. But he was still a really big asset. But when it came to Sayers saying, look, I'm homesick and I want to go home, Bielsa instantly was just just said to the club, OK, we'll let him go. And yeah. then he can go advance to the window. I don't want him here, you know, if, if that's how it is. He's gone. And we were all pretty shocked by that. We were quite surprised. Not because we didn't think that that's how Bielsa operated, just because it seemed to be a decision taken in the blink of an eye. But I think it's right. And I think there are some players who you can talk around and there are some players who can go from, I mean, Beckford being a good example, you know, that you think the season when Leeds were promoted 09-10, him putting in a transfer request in, in January, but then being convinced to stay and actually, you know, scoring the goal that, that got Leeds promoted in the end. And okay, left on a free transfer after that, but, you know, did his bit and, and got the club out of the division, out of League One. There are circumstances where it doesn't need to be the end of the line. But I think in the majority of cases, when players are agitating to go, you don't have a lot of choice because they're not so much used to you if that's the, their attitude. And that was the one, of, one of the big things with Ruta over the summer, that he wasn't one of the players who was asking to leave. And he wasn't a player who was saying to Leeds, look, I don't see myself here anymore. Farka almost suggested a week or so ago that Ruta's attitude was, I've, been, I've cost £30 million, I've come to the Premier League, come to England, I've done nothing. I really do need to stick around and, until people can look at me and say, he's actually a really good footballer. And um, in a lot of ways, Saturday was the day. He was living his best life, wasn't he? He was a young man living his best life. I was so pleased for him because um, I, I was one of the, the people who stayed behind at the end. And he, uh, after speaking to Farker on the pitch, and I don't know if, if maybe this was a deliberate tactic on Farker's part to hold him back from the rest of the group, allowed everybody else to kind of go around it meant that he got to do sort of his own little solo lap of the pitch and he was the last one round. But it, what it did mean is that everybody could sing his name and he absolutely laps it up. The smile on his face was um, was just beautiful. He was just encouraging the crowd, egging everybody on. But I thought it was really well handled that by Farker as well. They were saying to him, don't take the piss too much, express yourself and all that. But you wonder if maybe he gave him that little opportunity to 
to be signaled by the crowd for the crowd to appreciate him. Yeah, I think that'll be important for Ritter as well. There was a, a definite confidence issue there last season, which is hardly a surprise given the, the narrative around him and also the the kind of shambles that he was he was walking into. You can't win, really, can you? On the one hand, you you know, four or five months ago, you've got people saying, "Why on earth have we paid money for this player?" And then, you know, four or five months later, um, you've got your manager saying to you, "Please don't take the piss out of you know solid Championship pros. They're good footballers and good guys." Um, <laughs> to be fair to Ruter. I don't really think he was doing that on Saturday. And actually, Farke did say, I'm, I'm not applying that to this game specifically. I'm just reminding him, you know, that it, there's, there's got to be a, a certain level of appreciation of, of what you're doing and, and of being seen to do the right things. I, I thought the little touches of brilliance from Ruta actually helped open the game up and, and made a difference. And the crowd just absolutely loved that as well. But this is this is what I mean. You know, when, when, players, when players are made to feel like that and when the atmosphere becomes so healthy that you you know you, you are genuinely desperate to to play your next game which I can't believe for a second was ever really the case last season certainly not in the second half of it it helps massively and you were saying that, that Piro was in the game but but not so much there on Saturday I started to think in the second half that the interchange of positions between him and Ruter made a, a really big difference and there is going to be this debate, isn't there, about should Piro be at nine, should Ruta be at 10, should somebody else be at 10 so that Piro could, could can play up front. But I do feel like it's working. I do feel like it, it is working. And perhaps it isn't perhaps it isn't letting Leeds win games off the bat, you know, in 20, 30 minutes before half time, and, and it didn't on Saturday. But in the end, it was overwhelming. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just returning to the themes that we were speaking about there, Phil. Byram played at left back, Shackleton at right back. Was Byram our one to watch going into the weekend? I feel like I got so giddy with the match and so caught up in it that I've forgotten. I think he was. And even if he wasn't, let's just pretend he was because it actually actually went well. But one of the funny things about Byram is that all that's changed with him between leaving Leeds and coming back to Leeds is that he was a right back and he's now a left back. And, and I think 
he he is actually quite a rare player in that he can genuinely play on both sides as opposed to you know this thing where you have a, a right back where you say yeah he could he could do a job at left back if he needed to but actually he needs to be playing on the right hand side Byram to look at him is just the Byram that I remember as a kid like he, he, his body has obviously got older um, and has taken a lot of hammer his face hasn't aged at all and like that grin on his on his face as he, he ran to the corner flag was just like going back five or six years, you know, to, to when he was scoring away at Forest, his last goal back in, in 2015 for Leeds. I thought as well that the, the reaction to him scoring was quite telling because he was completely mobbed in the corner. And I think the players at Leeds will realise that he's had a difficult time over the past three years. You know, it hasn't been easy for him. And, you know, he, he basically got himself a contract at Leeds by avoiding missing a single training session through pre-season. You know, it was a good demonstration of his fitness. And I think if there were... Oh, and there absolutely were big question marks over whether it was a sensible signing or whether you know it was the right thing to do given his his track record. But I think that that demonstrated where he was at and and proved that he was worth having a go at. And and you know, Farker obviously knew him really well, rated him, and and said to the club in the end, look, I don't think there'll be a better left back in the championship than Byram if he's fit and and if he plays. So really, really pleased for him actually because I remember him coming through. He was a, he was a, a lovely lad. Was Byram and he was a, a great player as well. And and I just think he's got that fluent, flowing style about him where he doesn't make much in the way of mistakes. There's not a lot that ruffles him. He, he likes to attack, but him attacking doesn't really compromise him as a defender. And he does score goals. You know, he does chip in goals from time to time. And I think he probably will. It was a cracking header as well. It was a bloody good header, wasn't it? Yeah, he absolutely um, smashed that one. Thunder bastard. Thunder yeah. bastard. Yeah, I agree. I think absolutely. And a word, if we can, um, we'll come back to Jorginho Ruta's um, contribution to to Jaden Anthony's goal, which I thought was a, a nice yeah. little. It was the cherry on the icing, wasn't it? That one in a minute or two. But a word for Dan James, if we can, because two assists for him. He's had a bit of a mixed time. You feel like he was almost messed around a little bit around the the Fulham loan, and you know maybe we could have used him last year. Who knows? But what whatever has played out, he seems to be just finding his groove a little bit now. Again, a, a lower division, which I think will help in the way that it has to help Ruta. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there have been confidence issues there also because, you know, it wasn't a great move to Fulham. The way in which it was handled, I know that James wasn't particularly pleased about about the way that happened. But also even going back further than than that, you, you had him as this, almost like this fixation of Bielsa's, you know, this player that Bielsa loved, didn't quite get first time round, even though it was, it was that close but then did get from Manchester United for a really, really big fee by Leeds standards at a time where it didn't really feel as if James was what they were after and what they really required. Looking at that squad at the start of the 21-22 season, yes, you know, because Bielsa rated him so highly, he kind of thought, well, it'd be fascinating to see what he does with James. But it didn't feel like that was the gap in the squad that desperately needed plugged right at the end. So, you know, it hasn't been a, a great spell for James. He, I also felt like at Manchester United, he became a bit of a lightning rod for the frustration about the Glazers and, and Solskjaer, which was was pretty unfair. But that doesn't build you up in, in any way. But I think what he did on Saturday was what people quite often accuse him of not doing, was yes, the running was there, the sprinting was there, the, the counter-attacking and, and the threat to defences on the basis that he's so quick, he's a, he's a real handful. But the end product was there on top of it. And not for the first time either. You know, did the same at, at Millwall. I know he missed that chance at Millwall that looked easier to score than to miss. But straight after that, there was the ball to Ruter that let Ruter score. And what you're starting to see is that there really are options for Farker now. You know, if you're 
if you're Ishmael and you're in the, the away dugout and Farker is able to bring on Anthony, who does that right at the end of the game, you do feel like there's a manager to your right who has a stronger hand to play than you do. And more than one coach now has said, this is going to be a good Leeds team. I think Rowett said it at Millwall. Rosinha said the same about Farkas side after the, the draw at Hull. I think there are people out in the Championship now who very much think Leeds are in the conversation for, for going up and, and I would think for potentially for finishing top two. Would be very nice, Phil. I would, I'd be happy with that. If we could do top two, I think that'd be a good return this season. I don't know about you. I, I think I think I predicted sixth, didn't I? When you, you forced me into making a prediction, um, and I'm starting to wonder if that was slightly conservative. Um, but it's 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 early still. It kind of feels oddly like we're already about twenty games into the season, when in fact it's it's only eight. But the, there is a hell of a long way to go, and I think we all remember what it's like when you get into the depths in November and December, and you've you've got to keep grinding. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the um, at the table now, and we are sixth as it stands at the minute. That um, whole win at Stoke pushed them just above us in the table over the weekend. But um, yeah, played eight, won three, drawn four, lost one. So you could make a case for us winning seven out of those eight and being right up there with um, with Leicester and Ipswich at the minute. I would say, but um, didn't yeah. quite happen that way, did it? No, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, they they could easily have lost the Cardiff game as it was, and but I, I still thought they were the better side despite how late the the goal came. Leicester's form is definitely looking ominous, and I I, I think I think everybody probably expected Leicester to be pretty strong. I, I spoke to Robert Snodgrass for a piece that we did on Maresca after he was appointed by Leicester, and Snodgrass said, "Look, he he'll be very good for them." Aside from the fact that he's got really a really good squad, really good players at Leicester. Technically and tactically, as a coach, he's he is pretty impressive. knows knows his stuff. I'm a little surprised at how it's going for Southampton, and it doesn't sound like all's well down there at all. I thought they were pretty well set, and it is. It is kind of fascinating to look back now and see the way in which there was annoyance, certainly in the in these parts, about the way in which Southampton seemed to have the ducks in a row much quicker than Leeds through the summer. And then to contrast that with how things are now, there seems to be some griping down there about Russell Martin's style of play. Results aren't coming, beating at Middlesbrough at the weekend. Obviously, I have Leeds at home next, which is really big game for, for them all of a sudden. And Leicester look in very, very good shape. And, and I'd be a little surprised if they don't finish top two. But it does feel like Leeds are, are starting to roll. Yeah, and Leeds now seem to be, we seem to be growing like an inner confidence, like a self-assurance just seems to be growing. I think maybe that's what we're doing in terms of emerging from the shadow of relegation now, it feels like we know what our identity is again now. And uh, that's down to the job that Fark is doing. Just to, we'll get into that in a second. I was going to say, just to close off a couple of thoughts. You mentioned about Dan James end product before. I thought that ball to Pirro was excellent, particularly. Oh, beauty. Yeah, yeah, no, it was you, right on the button. If you watch Pirro signals twice where he wants it, edge of the area. And then when he's in there again and bang, landed it um, right on a sixpence. And it's nice just to see him just touch. Just took it away. A player who's absolutely full of confidence as well. Just doing what he does though and that's what you get with a forward like that. I wonder what the combined distance of his four goals so far is. Right. Yeah, it would, would be interesting to look. I mean, he we, we spoke to him um, before the whole game and we were talking about the, the goal at Millwall and he, he was going through how he understood it with Dan James and saying that when James hit the ball, one way or the other, all that was going to happen was it was going to go towards the back post so in Pirro's head he's thinking even though James should finish this as this comes in 
I'm going to put myself in that position because that inevitably is going to be where it is. So either James scores or if there's a ricochet like there is, I have the chance of, of putting it in. And I think the phrase you used was that sometimes you practice for this stuff, you train for this stuff, you you kind of know what you should be doing. But sometimes you also just smell it, you know, as a striker. If you're a striker who scores goals, and you're right, you could see that in, in the process of that attack, of him saying, put it there, put it there, and knowing that if Dan James did put it there, he was going to finish. Just to go back to Farker as well, I think you know, an identity has been really consistent so far, would be my observation. And I think that's a really good thing because I don't get the sense with Farker that this is going to swing to extremes. I don't think you're going to have miserable days interspersed with fantastic wins that mean that there's a big kind of emotional burst one way or the other. I think he'll be very good at keeping this on the level right the way through the season. And I don't think you will have points where it gets wildly out of control. Um, He just seems to have the measure of this and, and a lot of confidence in himself. I just think you're looking at a really good professional coach in Farker. And I think it's it's transmitting to the fans as well. Even little things like I mean, I know everybody kind of were on the was on the feet, you know, with the ball control. Oh, it's brilliant. But but what that represents, yeah. you know, just and the little I don't know, it was the kind of the little if you look at the video of it, the little nod, the kind of yeah, I know. It just he ex, he exudes confidence, like he knows what he wants from this team, he knows where they're heading, and the fans I think are now starting to understand it and see it. Um, and I mentioned on the match ball as well the little murmurings of discontent in the first half when we were kind of, we were in possession and in control, but not really making any inroads into the attack. So um, there was that kind of, you know, do something leads kind of sense just, yeah, just bubbling under Ellen Road. But now I think people now are learning and, and have seen that, you know, because these three goals came late and we, and we really opened them up towards the end that um, it may just take a little bit of patience sometimes. Yeah, because we, we did actually, we were chatting about that in the press box at the time, about the, the grumbling, and we were kind of saying it's not it's massively helpful, that. And you know why it's happening, and I think it's probably, you spoke about hangover from, from last season, it, it probably is that little bit of a hangover of the, the frustration of when things aren't quite working as they should. Um, but it, it felt a little bit like the, the small sections of the crowd who were doing that going a little bit early, if you know what I mean, because that game was was well under control. And yeah, Rita had missed that early chance that he should have scored and um, Bachman had a, a, had a, a right old game um, in goal for Watford. But it, it was it was good. I mean, the, the, the best bit of the of the Farker takedown, apart from him looking like Ronaldinho, was the guy in the background of the video who picked the, the worst moment to stand up and go out, presumably go to the toilet. But it literally just got up out of his seat and turned his back as Farker brought brought that down. And you're right, you know the reaction, Farker's reaction was was quite amusing. Just that sort of cheeky look to the crowd. That that wasn't bad, was it? But he's not. He, I don't think he doesn't seem particularly fussed, Farker, with attention and limelight. I think deep down, and I think on a personal level, from what's been said and from what was said by him in, in the interviews with Leeds as well, he wants to be a Premier League manager, and I think he wants to be seen as a Premier League manager and, and one who can live and cope at that level for, for quite a good length of time. But I think he realises as well that you kind of have to earn it and that, you know, as much as a coach is absolutely critical, it is the players and it's the performances that are going to do it for you. And he's almost quite good at being assertive and forthright while being in the background at the same time. It's, it's quite a clever mix. Speaking of the Premier League, I mean, you, can't help but watch what happened to Sheffield United yesterday and almost be thankful we're not there Str- struggling on for another season you know trying to to make this thing work and I, I'm increasingly of the opinion that as much as it hurt to go down last year and it hurt 
to have all the uh, the rats deserting the sinking ship, it might have been for the best, you know, just to clear the decks and, and start again. And also have a bit of fun. Again, it can't be a coincidence that the Premier League table has your, your three promoted clubs on one point and in the bottom three at the moment. I mean, that was an, that was an absolute pasting for Sheffield United. And the cynic in you or the, the common sense in you says that Heckenbottom probably won't survive very long from here. And that seems really harsh to me because it is incredibly difficult to get into that league and, and just start mixing it. And perhaps perhaps it's slightly skewed this season on the basis that you know, Luton, Burnley, Sheffield United were not going to be going up with huge budgets or massive amounts of cash behind them. And perhaps if it was Leeds who were promoted with the 49ers in place as, as the ownership group, there would be more money and more scope to, to compete a little bit better. But it's, you know, the, the, there is a massive gap between Newcastle and Sheffield United on, on a number of levels. And it is leagues within leagues um, in the Premier League. And it makes it very difficult to know what it is that you, you're supposed to be aiming for. Well, whereas you come back into the Championship and it does become about the playoffs and promotion and the title and, and everything else. And it's just a bit of a clearer picture. A bit of a clearer picture, I think, a bit easier to, to engage in. And yeah, lo and behold, you, you get relegated and it's more fun than it was when you were in the Premier League, certainly in certain parts of it. It's the great paradox, isn't it? It's the great paradox. Mm. Is that It's what Moscow said on our shows before. He'd quite happily win it every year and never go up if we could do that. But uh, <laughs> it would say it'd soon lead to financial implosion, wouldn't it? And a, and a great reset, but it's a nice idea. But uh, can I just ask you about one issue that um, was brought to my attention? I was tweeted yesterday, somebody saying, can you ask Phil about this? Helder Costa, still here, hasn't gone yet. Saudi window is now closed. Do you expect maybe there to be a contract termination in the pipeline then to free him up? We, we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the expectation was that he would go. I mean, as Farker said himself, Costa had said that he wanted to leave, hence why he wasn't involved at all over the summer. And there's simply no way he can be reintegrated now. You know, he hasn't trained through pre-season. He, he isn't familiar with what Farker's doing. He's been training, training on his own. I mean, there was obviously the, the Turkish window as well, which would have been an option. I think we all expected that he probably would go back to Saudi, but nothing has developed there. Yeah, I mean, one of a handful of things is going to have to happen here. Either they terminate his contract or when they get around to January, they find somewhere for him to go for, for six months um, so that he can um, he can just kind of burn down what's left of his deal and then move on. Or he just sits tight um, to the end of the season and, and moves on as a free agent when his contract runs out. Strange one, Costa, really, because he's been so anonymous for so long that you almost feel like it's been a waste of money and a waste of a signing. But he was relatively influential to a point um, in the Bielsa season when they were promoted and he was kind of heavily involved in in what went on that year. But I suppose given that Leeds went up and then came down and, and Costa looks like he will most likely move on for, for a free transfer at some point, it's not particularly one that's worked. All in all then, Phil, uh, a good week in the life of Leeds as we started the show saying that. And isn't it funny contrasting, like I remember like last season, we'd get out of a weekend and I was thinking, thank God I don't have to bother with this again for another week and we don't have midweek fixtures. Whereas now we're off the back of seven points in a week, scoring for fun um, in a couple of those games. And I'm like, oh, it's Saturday. I've got to wait till Saturday now for the next game. Come on, can't we have a midweek one? Yeah, two podcasts a week last season was was pretty hard going because he seemed to be going around in circles, didn't he? It was the same stuff over and over again and, and nothing seemed to change enough. And it was like creeping death that was it was coming down down the track. Seven points from this week just gone is really good. A re- really good set of results. And I'd say again, as I was chatting about on the previous podcast, have a look at what happened at Norwich in Farker's first season at this point. This was when it really, really clicked and the results really started to come. And again, 
if it's going to be top two this season, that's going to have to happen because you've already got a couple of sides who've made really good inroads um, and, and you can't ever allow the gap to become too big. But I think in terms of the top six, Leeds have positioned themselves after eight games exactly where they, they want to be, you know, right in the mix. Nice one, Phil. Um, if you want to catch up with the Gitano Barardi column that's in the latest magazine, that's issue two of the mag, you can uh, buy that at Ellen Road at the home games and it's available at the squareball.net as well. Have a look around on there. Uh, we'll get back together, me, you and Michael, towards the end of the week. Preview Southampton. And um, we'll speak then, Phil, yeah? Thank you. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 